I'm Tracy Sable. Tonight on EWTN News Nightly, pressing for time. As Israel strikes hundreds of targets in Gaza, international leaders call for the protection of civilians and the release of hostages. We have the latest. Back to square one. Two lawmakers fell to grab the gavel, making it week three without a House speaker, and now nine Republicans are vying for the nomination. Sacramento warning. What a UK bishop has to say about the worldly threat against marriage. And church and state. Pope Francis reminds the faithful who we really belong to. These stories add more tonight. From EWTN, the Global Catholic Network, this is EWTN News Nightly. Thank you for being with us on the Feast of St. John of Capistrano. Our top story tonight, the war in the Middle East. And tonight, a small sliver of hope with the news that Hamas freed two elderly Israeli women for humanitarian reasons. The International Committee of the Red Cross confirmed the release, saying, quote, our role as a neutral intermediary makes this work possible, and we are ready to facilitate any future release. This is a second group of hostages released by Hamas since the October 7th terrorist attack on Israel. In the meantime, the war rages on with the Israelis conducting their heaviest airstrike bombardment on Gaza yet. <laughs> As the death toll rises, Israel is still expected to launch a ground offensive into Gaza. The Israelis also carried out an airstrike on a mosque in the West Bank overnight, claiming Hamas was using that building to plan an upcoming attack. And in Lebanon, the threat from the Iranian-backed militant group Hezbollah is growing. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu warns that if the group enters the war, it will be crippled, quote, with a force it cannot imagine. And for more, I want to bring in Israeli government spokesperson Tal Heinrich. Tal, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, we really appreciate it. A lot to get to. Uh, but first, it has been about two weeks since Hamas launched its horrific terror attacks on Israel. Talk to us about the impact that that has had on Israelis and how life has changed since then. It has changed significantly, Tracy. It's, in fact, day 17 since the October 7th massacre, and nobody in Israel is the same. Everyone in this country knows someone who was affected, someone who was killed. Just to remind you, the, the casualties on the Israeli side, it's 1,400. 1,400 people were butchered by these barbarians. Uh, so everyone knows someone who was killed, who was abducted by Hamas, who was injured. We have thousands of people who were injured. Uh, we have uh, 200,000 people who were evacuated within Israel from their communities in, in the south and in, in the north, because these are the front lines right now uh, of the global war against terrorism. So the country is not the same. We are still working on trying to identify some of the victims. Some of these bodies are beyond recognition because of what Hamas has done to them. And, and Tal, let's talk about that, that uh, ground offensive that you all are preparing for. Why is that important? What are the challenges there? And why hasn't that taken place yet? So it is important because, uh, you know, President Biden was here and he, he said when he came back to the United States, he delivered a, an important speech where he said that we are at an inflection point in history and terrorists can no longer, uh, cannot get away with what they did. Hamas cannot get away with what they've done to Israelis because if you are soft, if, if you address terror with weakness and what they've done here is, you know, it's the worst crime against the Jewish people. These are, you know, war crimes uh, since 
since the Holocaust. So they, we, we cannot let them get away with this with impunity, because if we do so, if we send out a message of weakness, we just invite more terror. And it will happen again and again and again. This is why we have to hit Hamas hard, very hard, and reach each and every one of these terrorists. No place is safe for them right now. And, uh, and send the right message also to our other adversaries across the region. And uh, as for your second question, Israel is a sovereign nation, and, and our uh, military brass and our government, the unity government that was established during this uh, war, are taking uh, the, the, uh, all the considerations and, and making the decisions. Uh, so when the time is right, we will, uh, of course, uh, move to stage two, stage three of the operation. When the time is right, when the conditions are right, of course, we're also working with international partners, as you know, because some of these uh, uh, civilians being held captive uh, by, by Hamas are also foreign nationals or dual citizenship holders. So we are communicating with international partners, but we will do whatever it takes uh, to dismantle and, and destroy this organization. Tal, some people may ask, you know, what is the end game here? So what is it for Israel? The Israel is to dismantle Hamas. We will dismantle them militarily. They will no longer have military capabilities to hurt us as they did. They will also lack the motivation to hurt us as they did. We will bring down their governance bodies. Hamas will be no longer in the Gaza Strip. So I want to talk about how you balance all of this and also the humanitarian aspect of that and also abide by, you know, international humanitarian law. Talk to us about that. So we are abiding by uh, international law. Uh, we are not the aggressors here. We were attacked. We didn't even expect this war, as you know. We were surprised. We were surprised, in fact. Uh, we didn't start with this war, and we were dragged to it by Hamas. This is why we're responding right now to their aggression. Of course, we don't want any civilians in harm's way. We don't want Israeli civilians in harm's way, and we don't want Palestinian civilians in harm's way. This is why we have evacuated our population. So many people, again, 200,000 people from communities in the south and communities who reside close to the northern border, the, the border uh, with, with Lebanon, where Iran, uh, Iran uh, backed Hezbollah, uh, tries to test us. And we hope they don't turn this into a full-fledged war on, on another front. But we are also calling on the Palestinian civilians to evacuate within Gaza, to move from the northern part of the Strip to the southern part, because the heavy fighting is it will take place in, in, in the north. So the IDF designated special routes for them. We gave them prior notice of today, in fact, prior notice to move to these areas in, in the south with, where they have, uh, you know, these are safer havens and humanitarian aid is also awaiting. And Todd, we will leave it right there. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. God bless. Thank you, Tracy. Our President Joe Biden and Paul Francis both speak about the need for peace in the Middle East. The White House says the two leaders talked on the phone Sunday about the war in Israel and Gaza. And we are learning more about that conversation as White House correspondent Owen Jensen just asked President Biden about it. Owen, so what did the president have to say? Tracy, good evening to you. First of all, let me set the stage for you a little bit. President Biden here at the White House was giving a speech on Bidenomics today. And right when it was done, I was able to ask him about that phone call with Pope Francis. Now, we're told the phone call lasted about 20 minutes. And here's my interaction with President Biden earlier today. Pope Francis spoke with you yesterday. You spoke with Pope Francis by phone yesterday. I did. How did that conversation impact you? What did you take away from that, that conversation with Pope Francis? 
I'll ask just one question. It, the Pope uh, and I are on the same page. He, uh, he was very, very interested in what we were doing to deal with some of the crises that we're facing, particularly in Israel this time around. And I laid out to him what the game plan was, how we thought we should uh, be providing the kind of assistance to Israel they needed. And the Pope was uh, across the board supportive of what we're doing. Meanwhile, Israel ramps up its airstrikes in Gaza, the death toll increasing. And in the White House press briefing room today... We are glad to see the first convoys of humanitarian assistance over the weekend cross the border into Gaza and reach Palestinians in need. The U.S. advising Israel to delay an expected ground invasion to buy more time to rescue hostages taken by Hamas more than two weeks ago. At least 222 people were captured by the terrorists. Just last week, an American woman and her teenage daughter released. I will tell you that nothing has changed about our focus on those hostages. We're glad we got two uh, back home with their families where they belong. Uh, last week, we want to get the rest of them out. And as efforts are made to free the hostages, these posters put up in Tel Aviv showing their faces, the United States ready to protect Americans and U.S. troops in the Middle East should the Israel-Hamas war escalate as expected. We got to do what we got to do to protect our troops uh, on the ground, particularly uh, in Iraq and Syria. You've seen us add additional military capability uh, to the region. Now, back to the president today when he's giving that speech. Afterward, another reporter asked him if the U.S. supports a hostages for ceasefire deal. The president responded, we should have those hostages released and then we can talk. At the White House, Owen Jensen, EWTN News Nightly. Well, after nearly three weeks, House Republicans are still on the hunt for a new speaker. They are back to square one after the GOP rejected Congressman Jim Jordan's bid. Until then, the U.S. House remains at a standstill, unable to pass pressing legislation. Republicans are pushing to have a speaker in place by the end of the week. We are in a very bad position as a party one that has won the majority, one that America has entrusted us with, that a simple eight people have put us in this place. Congress is a light like high school, but even more so. So um, hopefully we'll get past this. And, um, you know, I certainly have been part of the governing majority, and uh, I'm going to stay part of that and look forward to those who are on the fringes hopefully coming together so that we can get uh, a speaker. Nine new GOP lawmakers say they're running for speaker. Republicans are expected to vote on a nominee tomorrow. A speaker in place would allow the House to take up an aid package for Israel and its war against Hamas. On Sunday, a bipartisan group of senators wrapped up a trip to the Middle East. Hamas doesn't just hate the Jewish people like me. It wants to kill us. Period. Every one of us. The world cannot tolerate that kind of genocide. You'll never convince me that this is not about reconciliation between Saudi Arabia and Israel. The Iranians, through their proxy Hamas, unleashed holy hell on Israel to stop the march toward a better Mideast and a better world. One of those on the trip, Senate Minority Leader John Thune. He tells EWTN News Nightly that he expects Congress to approve new foreign aid requested by President Biden.
we're fighting terrorism, we're fighting, um, you know, world powers like China and Russia right now that are Russia clearly invading a sovereign country. And so we have to be prepared to defend America's vital national security interest. And, and uh, so I think there's going to be good support for uh, some aid package. A lawmaker say they hope to have that aid package passed by early November, which may also include money for Ukraine border security and possibly more. Lawmakers also have to pass a continuing resolution to keep the government open past November 17th. That we have a lot more still to come here on EWTN News Nightly, including sorting out the numbers. During the pandemic, the net worth of many U.S. households, households grew 37 percent. That is the largest jump on record. So why do our bank accounts feel so small? We'll ask an economist. And why 10,000 of the faithful flocked to upstate New York this weekend? report from the Federal Reserve reveals that median family net worth rose 37 percent between 2019 and 2022, while mean net worth rose 23 percent during that same period. Federal stimulus, a hot stock market, rising home values and a boost in stock prices are all attributed to the increase. To help us unpack this report and tell us what it all really means is Dr. Maria Aguirre, the president and also an economics professor at Catholic Distance University. Dr. Aguirre, great to be with you. Uh, let's talk more about this report. We mentioned the rise in median family net worth, which seems pretty significant. What were some of the other big takeaways or key findings from this report? I think, thank you, first of all, for having me uh, here. I'm very happy to be part of your um, program. And um, I, I think that uh, important things to take away here is indeed, um, the income reporting uh, belongs to 2021, not 2022. But if we look at the 2021 numbers, uh, we do see a significant increase. However, the caveat or the, the missing ingredient is the family structure. When you look at the family structure of the, re and the report in terms of family structure, what we see is that the improvements uh, are not evenly distributed. As, as always, we find uh, we have an increase in income for 2021. Uh, however, the single parents with children saw a decline on income by 10%, while married couples with children saw an increase in 10%. So we see that the distribution is not equal. And second, we see good news. Uh, the, the real worth, uh, net wealth worth has increased. But again, when we see who beneficiated the, more, the most, when we compare a 30% increase for married couples versus a 19% increase with, to single parents with children, especially single mothers, um, we see a decline. Also, I think very good news is that in both cases, we do see a significant uh, decline in, in debt. Uh, and that is uh, a combination of several things. During COVID, families did um, refinance uh, mortgages sometimes or improved uh, their house. Um, and that all contributed to or or 
um, reduce their debt. But one more time, what we see is that when you look at that, the ones who were man managed to decline the debt more significantly were couples with children as opposed to single mothers. Dr. Aguirre, fact, I, want to I want to jump in here really quickly before we run, because we're running out of time, but I, I want to, if you don't mind, sorry to interrupt, um, but yeah. I, I do I do want to talk about this. I mean, a lot of these findings in many ways seem very good, um, but I think it's safe to say right now in 2023, a, a lot of average families and single household families are not feeling really great about the economy. I mean, maybe they're probably paying more for a lot of things. Uh, gas, they're paying more for groceries, rent, mortgages, you know, utilities. So, you know, on paper, this sounds really good, but, you know, it isn't Correct. all that rosy, right? And then we have this war in the Middle East, uh, which is concerning Correct. a lot of people, especially we're getting close to wintertime and people, a lot of people heat their homes with oil. Um, so yes. if you don't mind, could you maybe talk about that? Do you think we should brace ourselves for higher oil prices? And what will that mean for consumers? Correct. I would say two things. One is the reason why we see the pinch is because, in fact, when you look at the 2022 and 2023 actual income levels, it has declined across households. So, in fact, again, the, this report can be misleading for the income in 20 because it's talking about 2021, not 2022 and 2023. But the second thing, the oil prices, uh, everybody expect an increase in oil prices, and that goes down to the gasoline, the heat, and so forth. So indeed, um, I think we are looking at um, households feeling the pinch of a decline in income, that is in real income, which is what in fact has happened due to the inflation, and an increase in cost of living across the board, because when the oil increases, all costs increase, increase production, increase on gasoline, increase on heating, increase across the board. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and breaking this all down for us. We really appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you. Up next on EWTN News Nightly, cause for concern. A bishop in the UK has a dire warning about the sacrament of holy matrimony. Plus, Pope Francis gives Catholics advice on how to balance our daily lives in a world run by politics. A church leader in England has issued a stark warning about the future of marriage. The Bishop of Shrewsbury says marriage is at risk of, quote, being eradicated altogether. Speaking to a group of married couples, Bishop Mark Davies cited a 61 percent decrease of the number of marriages in the U.K. That is the lowest number in two decades. More than 8,000 people, including several leading Catholic voices, gathered in a small town in upstate New York over the weekend. The New York State Eucharistic Congress was a 40-hour event at the Shrine of Our Lady of the Martyrs in Orisville, New York. Speakers included Cardinal Timothy Dolan, Supreme Knight Patrick Kelly from the Knights of Columbus, and Bishop Joseph S. Payette, the youngest bishop in the United States. And we go now to one of the participants, Catherine Jean Lopez, Senior Fellow at the National Review Institute. Catherine Jean, great to be with you as always. Um, tell you. us about this uh, Eucharistic Congress uh, that took place over the past weekend and what were some of the highlights? Well, it was truly amazing. I'm on the board of the uh, Shrine of Our Lady of, of the Martyrs up there. And um, it's so it was so amazing to see 
8,500 people was the final count on those holy grounds where three of the Jesuit martyrs were brutally murdered, trying to bring the gospel, trying to bring Jesus in the Eucharist um, to the Native Americans who, who lived there. And Isaac Jogues, as many many who are watching may may know, when he his fingers were mutilated, he wound up going back to France, petitioning to the Pope to uh, to have permission to celebrate Mass even without his fingers, critical fingers, um, the thumb and the in- index finger, and uh, he went back. He went back and ultimately died on these these beautiful holy grounds. Ten years later, St. Kateri Tekawitha was born there. It's a, a really amazing holy place where Christ is always present. But this weekend, having the Eucharistic Lord uh, being processed around the grounds by um, many priests, many bishops, and so many uh pious people and and they ran the gamut too which was so beautiful actually tracy besides seeing jesus walking being processed around the grounds one of the great blessings of being on the the board of the shrine is um i was behind the scenes and uh, there was a collection taken as collections are taken at mass and um to help support the shrine and there was an envelope and it said 1.00 pesos and it was a dollar in coins so that was the widow's might of some family that came up there and uh that was that was just so humbling um uh, my, my eyes you know welled up as as i saw that because people love jesus so much they they will not only make the sacrifice to go to the middle of nowhere in new york state honestly but um but also to to give a, an offering um in uh to glorify our, our lord yeah Catherine. i have to say i mean i can just tell how moved you were to be there and how much that meant to you um I'm sure others as well. Tell us a little bit about that and why this initiative on the Eucharist and adoration, why it's so needed right now. Well, this was the New York participation in the run-up to next summer's um, Eucharistic revival in Indianapolis. And, um, you know, what I had a little book signing while I was there for my book, A Year with the Mystics. And um, and I really loved that because I was able to set up a table. And even if people didn't buy books, um, they, they had conversations with me, some who knew me from from various media or people who just wanted to talk. And so many people said to me, what's happening to our world? <laughs> you know, and um, and their participation in being a solution to Ukraine, to Israel, to us not having a speaker of the house and and our uh, you know future presidential election, all all of the madness, um, even you know their their own children who they're praying back into the church or whatever it is, they felt like they were doing something, 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 and realizing that you know we can rely on Christ and and uh, I I know. Even personally, a couple of things happened there that were uh, 
just clear signs to me that God was telling me in my little trip up there from New York City, you know, trust me more um, and come to me more. And that's why this Eucharistic revival is so important, because we so often live as practical atheists. Um, You know, we, we try to be um, be our own saviors and saviors for the people in our lives. Uh, but we, we obviously need to do our, our work, you know, um, but rely on God, rely on God. He's a faithful God who has made these awesome promises and comes to us in the Eucharist every day. Catherine Jane, thank you so much. And we needed to hear this message today. So great to have you on and thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. Pope Francis reminds the faithful that we all belong to the Lord and not in earthly power. Rendete dunque a Cesare quello di Cesare e a Dio quello che di Dio. During a Sunday address at the Vatican, the Holy Father emphasized the correct relationship between church and state, saying that faith and daily life are intertwined. He said the things of this world belong to Caesar, but man and the world itself belong to God. And just a reminder, the EWTN is providing live coverage from the Synod on Synodality. The 45-minute broadcast from the Vatican starts at 5 p.m. Eastern, and it will feature news analysis plus exclusive interviews with church leaders and Synod participants. So do not miss it. And we thank you for watching tonight. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, X, and Instagram at EWTN News Nightly. I'm Tracy Sable. Good night, and God bless. Thank you.